0: Hey everyone, it's Lou Rosenfeld and you are listening to the very latest Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I am with my esteemed guest, friend, co-author, author, colleague, fellow traveler in information architecture circles, Jorge Arango. Hello, Jorge. Hi, Lou. It's
1: a pleasure to be here.
0: Great to have you on the show. Um, I I really have been working on and off uh, with you in many different ways over a number of years. Uh, uh, most famously, you were the really uh, guiding light behind uh, the fourth edition of the Polar Bear book, Information Architecture for the Web and Beyond. And we obviously, um, if you know anything about the book, we changed the subtitle from uh, Information uh, Architecture for the World Wide Web to the Web and Beyond, partly because things had changed and Jorge really helped change the book accordingly as well as uh, make that book more about uh, understanding information as well as finding information. So you really kind of helped marry uh, 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 Richard Saul style IA uh, with uh, the kind of library science influenced uh, IA that Peter Morville and I had been uh, advocating for years. And it's not surprising given your background as an architect.
1: Yeah, it's a, it was a joy to be a part of that project. And the, the Polar Bear book was such a, an instrumental um, text for me in my own career that it was just a, a joy to be able to uh, be part of the project and to get, give back to it. Um, I've long see, seen information architecture as a joining of the two fields, information and architecture, right? And... Um, there is, uh, th- there are two goals in this. The, uh, the, and the goals are making information more findable. And then once you've found it, making it more understandable. And the understandable part of this has to do with uh, putting it in the right context, creating the right context for people to make sense of what they're looking at. So uh, I, I really do see it converging um, as, a, as a convergence of these two fields.
0: Well. Context uh, suggests uh, for many of us place, and this is something that you're addressing in your new book, which is a Rosenfeld Media book called Living in Information. And Jorge's book is uh, officially coming out on June 15th, 2018. Uh, It's uh, going to be available for pre-order in just a few days from when we are speaking right now, May, May 21st, day after my birthday, so it's a bit of a... A birthday present for me, uh, and, it, and, and it's
1: uh, coming out uh, the day of my brother's birthday. So it, we uh,
0: we think of everything.
1: Yeah, yeah I was, I was the very surprised at
0: publishers the, there are
1: the the amount of research you almost have done is amazing.
0: It's amazing. Uh, so um, living in information, uh, you know, it's it's a it's it's really kind of a an interesting take, not only on uh, understanding the kind of places that we are. Designing, but the kinds of sins that we're committing by either well, sins of omission and commission as designers of these places. Uh, talk a little bit about the idea of place and and why it's so important today.
1: Yeah. So the the first thing to acknowledge is that many of us frame our use of software, uh, things like websites and apps, uh, in terms of places. Uh, Whether we do it consciously or not, we're doing it. And it's been evident pretty much from day one in the World Wide Web. We've used all sorts of uh, metaphors that hint at a spatial understanding of what we're doing. And this is not new. You look at the early terms like homepage, right? And uh, we think in terms of um, logging into your bank account, uh, there's a sense of... um, going from one site to another and you have this back button that somehow lets you go back. Right. And there's this, uh, kind of sp- spatio temporal thing at work in your mind when you're going through these things. And, um, and I think that part of the reason that that's been part of our language for so long is that when we are focused doing something in a website or an app, the things that we can do there as manifested through, um, the system's navigation elements somehow become the boundaries of a little world. They create a context that informs our ability to think there and our ability to act. I think we've long known that spaces, you know, pl- places, sorry, the, 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 the configuration of an environment, the physical environment, has an impact in your ability to, uh, to do things effectively there or not. Um, And I'll give you an example of this. Here in the Bay Area, we have great tacos. My family and I live near a pretty good restaurant, a pretty good taco restaurant. And we like going there. And um, this place makes fabulous food. But uh, I have this problem with it in that every time we're there, uh, I I feel like it makes us a little stupid as a family. Why is that? Because the the cornices are lined with televisions tuned to soccer matches. And when we hang out as a family in the weekends, we want to be paying attention to each other. And it's very difficult to pay attention to each other when we have screens calling our attention. And even for me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a middle-aged man and I, I find it difficult to focus. Like my eye gets drawn to the activity happening on the screens. And for my kids, it's basically irresistible. Like they're, you know, they're not into soccer particularly, but they just can't help, but pay attention to what is going on the screens. And uh, that affects the quality of our conversations in that place. right? Um, and um, I think that this is something that we know and we've known for a long time. If you want to study uh, or read or do um, you know, focused work, you go to somewhere like a library, which is a place that is set up uh, to help you uh, concentrate. And by concentrate, I mean help you focus your attention on the task at hand.
0: Or, or to maybe to do what you want, rather, whether it's studying or, or doing anything that's not been sort of forced upon you by, in this case, the people who design that restaurant.
1: Well, but the, the library has uh, a design intent, right? Like the, the library is designed to help you focus. Right. Uh, the library is, would not be an effective environment for my family and I to have our conversation either because you're not supposed to talk there, right? So it's an environment that's designed to enable a particular, um, a particular activity. The, the question is, how aligned is the purpose of the environment with my purpose as the person who is in that environment, right? So the, when I work at a library, my purpose for being there is very well aligned with the design of the environment. Um, when we're in the Mexican restaurant, um, our purpose there, which uh, ostensibly is to eat, but really it's to hang out as a family, uh, is not well aligned with the design of the environment. Right. And the that's something that we've known for a long time in architecture. and um, And the issue now is that we find ourselves spending more and more of our time in environments that are not physical environments. There are these information environments that we enter when we um, open our email uh, application or um, engage with other people in Facebook and other social media. And what's happening is we're moving many key social activities from physical environments to these information environments. So we're increasingly shopping there. We're increasingly learning. Uh, we are, um, uh, some people find their mates there, which still you know, is, is something that blows my mind because that's a very, it's an activity that, that has been a central part of, of uh, human society for a long time. Um, we Not to, are, man,
0: not to mention yeah. human survival, of course. Um, yeah,
1: right. Uh, we, we are, uh, I think that very critically, and this is, I guess, the one that, that is in most people's minds these days, we are hosting very important parts of our civic discussion in these things, right? And uh, just as with the taco restaurant, um, some of these information environments have been designed um, with, um, with goals that may or may not align with ours, with the reason why we're there, right? So if you're shopping in a place like Amazon, when I, when I go to Amazon, I uh, do my shopping fairly easily. Uh, the environment is conducive to me finding what I need and checking out, and my goal in using that environment is aligned with what the designers of the environment want to do with it. Um, that is not true of all information environments. And that's what we're exploring with the book. We're exploring how can we align the design of an information environment, the, the goals that the environment is looking to serve, how can we better align it with the goals of the people who are there to use it?
0: Of course, it's interesting. Um, you know, One of the examples that you, you mentioned in your um, introduction, uh, is you, you talk about being on BART in San Francisco and, and noticing how pretty much everyone is on their phone. Yep. It's a realization that many of us have on a on a daily basis. And in that regard, it's almost as if you've got one kind of designed environment, namely the the mobile environment being used to cope with the the negativity of a poorly designed environment, another one, namely the experience of riding the subway. It's do you see that type of activity happening a lot where you you have this sort of clash of of two designed environments in both cases maybe not designed in an ethical or uh, or at least caring way when it comes to their users
1: yeah so what you're talking about here is um how these environment these information environments are somehow making up for the poverty in our physical environments right that may be a part of it. Um, I can tell you, like, another typical use case for these things is you see people checking their phones while they're waiting in line to pay at the supermarket. Um, and I think that um, it may be that we have a low tolerance for boredom. Like, we are, uh, you know, biologically, we're, uh, we optimize for novelty somehow, mm-hmm. right? And we don't want to be bored. Uh, But I think that there's also the fact that many of these information environments that we're accessing through our phones have been designed with the intent of keeping us engaged, right? So if we talk about the, the library as an environment that has been designed to help us focus our attention so we can study better or read or write or whatever, these information environments that we're talking about have been designed with the intent of keeping us around because their business model is based on showing us advertising. Right. And um, you will be able to charge more for your advertising, the longer that you're there. Right. So these places bring to bear design principles uh, that are by intent meant to keep us around. Right. So if you're, if you have an, an environment that is designed to keep you engaged, and it's competing with an environment, a physical environment in this case, that is either boring or uncomfortable in the case of BART, um, especially during rush hour. Uh, the information environment is definitely going to be more attractive to you and you're going to get sucked into it, right?
0: Yeah. And, and you know, it's not just an issue of escaping boredom. Sometimes it's an it's a issue of coping, uh, especially if you live in a densely packed urban area. Uh, as you and I both do, and dealing with rush hours and, and whatnot, the book subtitle is "Responsible Design for Digital Places." And uh, when we were subtitling, and I know I remember that we debated uh, the word "responsible." Uh, should we call it "ethical"? Whatever the case may be, you, you're you're putting forward the proposition that we, as designers of all stripes, need to be thinking about um, the impact of what we do in our work and uh, that the metaphor of place is a helpful way for us to frame that, uh, I guess you might call it mindfulness in our work. Are you seeing any um, positive examples or models where designers have actually started to, to use the concept of place to, to do more responsible design? Anything you you think is especially
1: heartening. So one of the challenges that we have here uh, as designers of experiences or, you know, perhaps people think of themselves as interaction designers primarily. uh, One of the challenges that we have is that the framing that we have brought to the design of these things has been a framing that is both transactional and ephemeral. So we talk about these things as either products or interactions or services, and these are all things that are that are transient you know we, we don't design these things to contain our experiences we design them to be used and, um, and uh, somehow cast off so I don't see too many uh, experiences, especially software experiences that have been designed explicitly with the intent of um, placemaking.
0: we're going to edit that out
1: is that in your that's outside that is
0: outside our building
1: (laughs) maybe we won't
0: edit it out everyone it's just one of these look at the information space that a place that i i'm working in right now and here in uh, a, a loud part of brooklyn that seems to be constantly under um construction and and uh there's well, some loud construction noise interrupting our, our podcast.
1: I absolutely encourage you to keep, keep it in. Uh, yeah. b- before we started recording, you encouraged me to turn off notifications on my computer, right? Uh, we, we can choose to turn off notifications in our information environments. We can't do the same for our physical environments, right? Uh, and that is uh, evolutionarily useful to us.
0: <laughs> and by the way, none of this was planned. <laughs>
1: Well, we, we hired that construction crew outside your office, right, to do this. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's a good pointer because we, as beings that have physical bodies in space, we are in this stuff all the time. And we, uh, we just go through it without paying attention to what is going on, right? Um, so uh, it's good to notice when it happens and to, and to call it out. As designers of these things, we have to be very intentional with what we're doing, right? So this is an example of something happening in the physical environment that is impairing our cognitive ability somehow. It it focused our attention away from the conversation at hand. And we have less leeway in physical environments to uh, affect that than we do in information environments, which is why Designers who work in this space have greater responsibility, right? Uh, and back to your um, your observation about the the subtitle, we we did have a long discussion about this. I love the word responsible because it has um, to me it has these two roots: uh, you know, response, ability. You know, the, the ability to respond. It gives you agency, right? You can do something about it. I, I'm getting the sense just from participating in discussions in places like Twitter that uh, people these days are feeling uh, you know, overwhelmed by what is going on in these things, in these environments. And I find it somewhat ironic that the very people who are uh, designing them should feel overwhelmed by them because if anything can do anything about it, it's us, right?
0: You know, we have a little bit of time left. Let's let's kind of bottom line it for someone who's thinking of, uh, who's interested in what you have to say and is wondering if they want to spend, uh, you know, what is it, 204 pages with you? It's not a very long book, but it's a very thoughtful book and people are busy. And uh, why should they invite uh, you into their their information environments?
1: I think that it behooves anyone who is either responsible for creating, running, or designing a software-based experience and information environment that will be used by more than one person. It behooves us to understand how these things create context that affect us. I think that we, um, we don't have a choice in the matter because we are moving key parts of our social interactions to these things. And I have three kids and I want my kids to grow up in a healthy, well-functioning society. And important parts of that society are going to run in information environments. So um, I think it behooves all of us who are involved in the creation of these things to at least take a look at how Software creates contexts that affect how we think and, therefore, how we behave, uh, and hopefully, do something about making them uh, uh, respect our needs as human beings and help us further our goals, help us augment our capabilities, rather than um, detract from them.
0: Well, uh, absolutely. We there's so much hand wringing right now in our community over what we should do as well as what we should have done. And I think you're making a huge contribution to to help move us forward. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, I'm biased. I'm the publisher of the book, but I think it's a really important title. And I also want to make a, a point that not only am I jealous of Jorge, who is his writing in his non-native language of English is amazing, one of my favorite writers. I say that both as a co-author as well as a publisher. But one of the things I really love that you did with the book is, you know, the chapters are titled, I'll just run through them really quickly. Environments, Context, Incentives, Engagement, Technology, Architecture, Structure, Systems, Sustainability, Gardening. Ten chapters. Um, It's a short book, but that's a really kind of lovely narrative structure, a, a lovely approach to layering this book. And I know you're a big fan of the uh, pace layering model from Stuart Brand. I feel like I, I'm kind of reading it in a way when I look at the book's table of contents. So from, from one information architect to another, well done. Uh, why don't we um, wrap it up with uh, my favorite last question. What do you want to leave us with? Is there any other little piece of information or someone you might want to call out that uh, you think people should know about?
1: Absolutely. So one of one of the wonderful things about being involved in technology and the technology space is that the substrate, the the, the materials that we're working with, um, are constantly changing and sometimes in fundamental ways. And um, one of the th- most interesting things that has uh, happened in the last few years i'm not i'm not gonna be on the line saying how far back it goes because it's something that's been coming for a long time but it's finally starting to produce really really interesting results is um artificial intelligence and machine learning and um the ability to create systems that uh that somehow learn right so there's this uh this learning process happening and and by learning kind of improve themselves and and reconfigure their representation of a particular problem domain. So this stuff is fascinating, um, but uh, and it's going to have a huge impact in what we do. It's going to have an enormous impact, especially in, um, in our information environments. And one of the, one of the challenges with this stuff is that it's still kind of early days for it and getting into that space um, requires um, some pretty uh, geeky understanding of, um, of very particular technologies and, uh, and programming languages and math. Uh, and there, there are experiments starting to emerge uh, for ways of making this stuff more accessible. And one that's come across my radar recently is the system called Lobe.ai, L-O-B-E.ai. I have not been able to use it. It's one of these things that is still kind of in alpha and you have to sign up for a trial. I'm kind of uh, waiting um, very anxiously to to give it a, a spin, but it's basically a kind of user-friendly way to start configuring and training a machine learning algorithm, which you can then use in your own projects. And when I say user-friendly, it, they have a, a, a video that uh, I think everyone should check out that um, that demonstrates uh, setting up the training conditions for this thing basically using a uh, point and click drag and drop interface that, um, that makes it very accessible. So this stuff is fascinating. I think that we are going to see uh, enormous changes over the next few years brought about by uh, what these technologies are capable of and I think that the more people the more, particularly designers, can get their hands on it, the more thoughtful the solutions can be.
0: And hopefully they'll be able to apply what they learn from reading, living in information, responsible design for, uh, for digital places. I want to thank you, Jorge, uh, for calling out lobe.ai and also mention your own site, uh, harango.com. That's Harango. Dot com. And uh, if you're interested in talking more with Jorge, he's an independent uh, design consultant and a pretty damn good information architect, I can tell you. Jorge, thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, Lou. It's been my pleasure.